Welcome back to Health Bite, my podcast where I offer you small, actionable bites towards healthy weight and weight management through greater mental, emotional, and physical well-being. I wholeheartedly believe that our relationship with food is a window into our relationship with ourselves. Understanding this relationship will not only facilitate healthy weight and weight management, but will have rippling effects that impact every aspect of your life. In the nearly two decades that I've worked as an obesity medicine specialist, I have seen firsthand the life-changing effects of this transformative work, and I'm so excited to share my insights with you. I'm your host, Dr. Adrian Udine, and I created this podcast as an alternative to the noise to offer you knowledge-based guidance in the areas of nutrition, fitness, habit change, and mindset that I use with my patients in my medical practice every single day to help them achieve healthy weight and health. More episodes are available at dradrianudim.com slash podcast. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter and shoot me an email. I'd love to hear about your journey. Okay, here we go. Let's dig in to this week's episode. Hey there, Health by Podcasters. Holy cow, it is March. Where is the time going? Well, we're back with our monthly update on health nuggets in the news, nutrition news. First up is a study that came out this month looking at sweeteners and cardiovascular health. As you know, artificial sweeteners and natural sources of sweeteners have been used kind of in everything in a desire to manage obesity, manage diabetes, we have come up with alternate sources of sweetness that we have put in everything and anything. So much so that they're even found in ground and in tap water. So we can trace uh, amounts of artificial sweeteners in our tap water. Despite their massive use though, We don't really have any long-term data looking at its long-term effects. That is until this month when a study came out reporting on the long-term cardiac risk effect of artificial sweeteners. The authors note that there is epidemiologic data that links artificial sweeteners to cardiometabolic risk factors, including weight gain, insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, and cardiovascular disease as well as to clotting or atherothrombotic complications, as well as cardiovascular mortality. Yikes. And so they set out to look definitively if there is a correlation, if there is an association between the use of a common artificial sweetener and cardiovascular uh, risk. So there is a common type of additive sugars, which are the sugar alcohols such as the one that is very commonly used, and you may have heard, erythritol. Erythritol is a naturally occurring substance found in some fruits and veggies, but it is added in quantities of a thousandfold as what is naturally available in our or in some packaged foods. By some estimates, Americans consume 30 grams of erythritol a day. Guys, that's a lot, like two full tablespoonfuls of this stuff. So a researcher set out to see what the relationship was between erythritol and cardiovascular events up to three years later. 
And I must say that the results were kind of surprising. This is what they found. When they looked at blood levels of erythritol, they found that levels were associated with an increased risk of major adverse cardiovascular event. We call it MACE, major adverse cardiovascular event, which refers to cardiac death, myocardial infarction, aka heart attack, as well as stroke over the three years after they checked blood levels. And they found that there was an increase in all of these, in all major adverse cardiovascular events, three years after checking blood levels of erythritol. So clearly showing that there is an association between the two. Then they tested a small number of people after they drank 30 grams of erythritol. The amount that they said was comparable to a single can of commercially artificially sweetened stuff. Erythritol, they note, is commonly found in many snacks and low sugar or low calorie packaged foods, particularly keto snacks. And the amount is on the order of about 30 grams. So what they wanted to do is look at what what that did to the blood. And so they took a small number of people, they gave them a drink that contained 30 grams of this artificial sweetener, erythritol, and they checked their blood over the course of two days. And they found that for two days following ingestion, levels of erythritol were elevated and in the range that is associated with platelet dysfunction in a way that promotes thrombosis or clotting. Think blood clots. Heart attacks are both a function of, think blood clots, think heart attacks. They are both a function of this type of platelet dysfunction that was described following ingestion of 30 grams of erythritol. So what this tells us is that not only is there a long-term cardiovascular risk associated with regular consumption of this artificial sweetener, but that acutely following ingestion of a typical keto snack, one can expect to have levels that are so high that are that they are in the range of risk for platelet dysfunction that is similar to what we see in terms of heart attacks and blood clots. That is kind of scary. So WTF, how has this then entered our food chain so widely? Well, we don't know until we know. And no study had been done to date to look at the long-term cardiac effects of this stuff. We do have studies that show that we tolerate high amounts of erythritol without digestive issues. We do have studies that show that there is no carcinogenic or cancer-causing effects of this stuff. We do have studies that show that erythritol does not appear to have negative short-term effects on insulin and blood sugar. We do have studies that show that erythritol appears to be non-toxic in the short term, but we've never really looked to see what the long-term effects were on cardiovascular events. Now we have. Now, as always, there were limitations to this study, and I'm not going to go into kind of the details of that. But 
basically who was enrolled, these patients were already, or these people were already high risk for heart disease. And so maybe we can't extrapolate this data 100% to the general population. And I will also say this, I personally am not going to freak out and make sure that I never, ever eat anything with erythritol again. But am I going to be more vigilant? 100%. Absolutely, yes. And you know what else? This is yet another nail in the coffin of the head of processed and packaged foods. You can go back to prior news podcasts where I discuss the studies linking packaged and processed foods to everything from cancer to heart disease to dementia to more. The bottom line is science is telling us what we already know. Eat more from the earth and less from the pantry. So now let's move on from what we can't do to what we can do. The next study talks about the Mediterranean diet. And as I've mentioned in prior podcasts, the Mediterranean diet is probably the most well-studied and well-documented diet for health, not weight loss, but for health, and has been shown in multiple studies to have tremendous benefits to cognitive health, cardiovascular health, to mood, to reduction in breast cancer, yada, yada, yada. There are just so many studies. And you would think that we would stop studying this stuff, but we're not. So another study came out this month in regards to the Mediterranean diet and heart health, specifically in women. And actually, we don't have a lot of studies that look at women specifically. We have lots of studies that look at men that are generalized to women. But in this particular study, they looked at women only, exclusively. And it's important to think about heart health in women. We're going to talk about more of that in the next article. But let's just remember for now that women do need to think about heart disease. It is not a man's disease. And heart disease is the number one killer, not only in men, but also in women. And also, it is so, so preventable. Side note, check out my interview last month with women's heart health mega expert, Dr. Odaimi Caseda. She talks about cardiac risk specifically in women and gives us a lot of tips. So if you haven't listened to it, scroll back and check that out from our February lineup. So this particular study was published in the journal Heart, and it was a meta-analysis of 16 studies that looked at over 720,000 women. So a meta-analysis is a mega study that lumps up a lot of smaller studies. In doing that, they gain bigger numbers of subjects or participants and greater power towards their conclusions. A meta-analysis that looks at 120,000 women can give us great clarity and certainty in the validity of the results. Hi friends, it's Dr. Adrian, and I'm dropping into your podcast to offer a love letter to you. I believe that our hunger represents our unmet emotional and spiritual needs. And by leaning in and listening to our hunger, we have an opportunity to hear our needs and to respond. I know this not only from personal experience, but from listening to the stories of hundreds, if not thousands of patients 
over the past almost 20 years. I have compiled these stories, including my own, into Hungry for More, Stories in Science to Inspire Weight Loss from the Inside Out. This book is not just about weight loss, but about life and contains lessons that I know to be life-changing. If you don't believe me, head over to my website at dradrianudeem.com where you can obtain a free sample or to amazon.com and check out the reviews for yourself. So they looked at 16 studies comprised of 720,000 women and showed that women who followed a Mediterranean diet more closely than others had a 24% lower risk of cardiovascular disease. They also had a 23% lower risk of mortality. And it appeared to reduce the incidence of stroke as well. So about a quarter fraction reduction in cardiovascular disease and death related to the degree to which they followed a Mediterranean style diet. As I mentioned, the Mediterranean diet has been super studied, but this is the first one to look specifically at death in women. And again, the numbers were large. So the results tell us that really this is an excellent prevention strategy. If heart disease is in fact the number one killer in women, which it is, and the Mediterranean diet reduces that risk by almost 25%, then I think it behooves all of us women to really take this into account. To review, the Mediterranean diet is high in unprocessed plant-based foods. It is low in red meat, low in processed meat, and low in dairy. The Mediterranean diet also includes an abundance of whole grains, fruits and vegetables, nuts, beans, and legumes. And the use of extra virgin olive oil as the preferred source of dietary fat. We have long known that this diet is good for us. It's been shown to reduce cardiac disease and cardiac death in men. So men, this is for you too. And now we can say with confidence that it does the same for women. So get to it, gals. In more cardiovascular news, a study published this month linked the genetics that links early menstruation and first pregnancy to cardiovascular disease, stroke, and cardiovascular death. If you recall from my interview with Dr. Caseda, again, go back and listen to it if you haven't, women have unique risk factors for heart disease, which includes gestational diabetes during pregnancy, preeclampsia also during pregnancy, having had a small child, intrauterine growth restriction in a child, and other factors related to childbirth that determine or predict a woman's risk for developing heart disease. There are other risk factors though, such as the age at which menses were started and the age at which a first child was conceived and birthed. And now we have the genetics to prove it. Using genetic data from over 100,000 women worldwide, researchers showed that certain reproductive factors like early menses and early conception of first child were associated with a higher risk of a deadly heart rate or rhythm called atrial fibrillation 
as well as heart disease, heart failure, and stroke. So there is a greater risk for developing these cardiac diseases in individuals who started menses early and started childbearing early. But the data also show that there's good news, that women can reduce their risk by managing their cardiac risk factors, including their weight, their cholesterol levels, and their systolic blood pressure. So bottom line here is that reproductive factors predict risk. They predict greater risk for heart disease in women. However, managing risk factors can and will reduce that risk. So take a look at your risk factors, ladies. Listen to that podcast. Look at what uh, potential reproductive risk factors you may have. And know this, that prevention is key when it comes to heart disease. So take care of your hearts, ladies. Last but not least, blueberries have joined this year's Dirty Dozen. If you don't know the Dirty Dozen, it is a list of non-organic produce that's released every year by a nonprofit called the Environmental Working Group that ranks the produce that has the most pesticides. Staffers will wash, scrub, and clean 46 fruits and vegetables and will analyze them for over 250 pesticides. And this is what they found. Blueberries were number one on the list. They were shown to have 50 different pesticides. Also on the list were strawberries and spinach, which have held the top of two spots of the Dirty Dozen for years, followed by kale, collard, mustard. Next were peaches, pears, nectarines, apples, grapes, bell peppers, hot peppers, and cherries. So thinking about this list as as well as your budget, because honestly, I paid over $9 accidentally on non-organic grapes last week. So we have to take everything into consideration. So if you're trying to go on a budget and can't or won't or don't want to purchase all organic, I personally do not, you may consider purchasing organic for this dirty dozen, for these top 12, which have been shown to have of the almost 50 fruits and vegetables that they checked, the most pesticides that stayed or remained with the fruit or veggie after it was washed. So to review, number one was blueberries, strawberries, spinach, followed by three greens, kale, collard, and mustard, followed by peaches, pears, nectarines, apples, grapes, bell pepper, hot pepper, and cherries. A total of 210 pesticides were found on these 12 foods. In some cases, the test showed traces of pesticides that have even long been banned by the EPA or Environmental Protection Agency. So we can't depend on laws, regulations, or governmental agencies in protecting us 100%. Keep in mind the dirty dozen. This group, though, also publishes the Clean 15, a list of conventional produce 
65% of which don't have any trace of pesticide whatsoever. So this clean list may be the ones that you can and should feel safely to purchase non-organic and know that for the most part, they will not contain any trace of pesticide. And they include avocados in first place, followed by sweet corn in second place, followed by pineapple, onions, papaya, sweet peas, asparagus, honeydew melon, kiwi, cabbage, mushroom, mangoes, sweet potatoes, watermelon, and carrots. The carrots kind of interested me because this is actually, you know, a, a root vegetable that's grown underground. So it's interesting that it's actually one of the clean ones. So these 15 are the fruits and vegetables that you can fairly and safely buy as non-organic and yet not suffer the downside of excessive pesticide residue. Now, a final note, this information is not meant to stress you out. If this information stresses you out, you are not alone. I myself am thinking about the non-organic blueberries that are presently sitting in my refrigerator as we speak. The good news is that our bodies really are resilient and nothing is one and done, all or nothing. As always, just do your best. Do your best to eat well. Do your best to move your body. Do your best to get good sleep. Do your best to manage a healthy weight. Do your best to have compassion for yourself. And when you're not doing your best, then surrender to the fact that you are a mere mortal just doing your best. Sending you lots of love out there. And I look forward to seeing you again next time on Health Bite.